Welcome to the MMA Roadshow, episode number 327. My name is John Morgan. Cold Coffee is with me here in Las Vegas, a beautiful Thursday afternoon in Las Vegas. Not a cloud in the sky, about 100 degrees outside, which might sound hot to some people, but it's been about 115 here, so we'll take 100 degrees out of the beautiful Casa de Cold Coffee. The palatial grounds are feeling cool this afternoon. Yeah, man, it's it's beautiful outside right now. Um, got a nice cold, cold one in my hand, but not a typical cold one right now. I have a mocha frappuccino because I'm feeling fancy. A mocha frappuccino. That is kind of embarrassing, you know, and, and it's especially embarrassing because we've got wonderful frosty beverages shared to us by our friend Anthony Beach at Latchkey Brewing, 1795 <laughs> Hancock Street in San Diego, California. Uh, if you're trying to get ready for your Independence Day weekend and you're looking for some a, a local business to support, you know, so, so you don't give it to the big guy. Don't give it to the man. You know, I'll offer up a little something to, to our the- fine friends at Latchkey Brewing down there in San Diego, California. And send us a, a, a variety pack of, of frosty beverages, some of the ones that we're used to, some of the ones we know, as well as the new one. The Ziggy Strata Dust, a three times dry hopped with Strata Hops. Strata this Hops. Double IPA is three times three times dry hopped with Strata Hops, giving it an incredible hop forwardness and nice dankness as well. I don't know that I've seen <laughs> dankness used to describe anything uh, other than marijuana, maybe uh, on certain occasions. But our man Anthony Beach points it out there. It, it is. It is. It has got some nice dankness to it. I know you've had a little sample mm-hmm. of the uh, of the Ziggy Strata dust. And, and does the, the dankness live up to the expectations? It does. And and the can the can artwork is absolutely incredible. I love it. If if anybody knows the Ziggy Stardust with the the David Bowie, you would get the reference of it once you see the can. Um, but yeah, man, this is it's delicious. And, and, and you know what's better than dry humping? Dry hops. And you know what's <laughs> better than dry hops? Sir, dry Double hopping, dry sir. hops. <laughs> <laughs> did he say dry hump? You, hey girl what did you put just, in that mocha frappuccino just, man i think they spiked your mocha frappuccino i, I might i might put a little uh jmo up in here uh you know <laughs> just a tip girl i'm just gonna double hop that ass double hop triple hop oh mm. my goodness yes mm. yes the mm. family road show here <laughs> sponsored no longer by disney plus <laughs> Amazing, amazing. Well, listen, I, I would say, well, I was going to say the reason I don't have a, a beverage right now, you clearly are imbibing in beverages. We're both preparing to go somewhere. We both, uh, we're both kind of wrapping up, getting the last second things done. You're heading off to uh, a little family vacation, yes. a, little, a little enjoy some uh, some off time on this Independence Day weekend. Me, uh, being uh, the guy that I am, I'm going to work more, uh, but I'm looking forward to it, man. I'm, 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 I'm heading out to Philadelphia tonight. Uh, we've got Fury uh, Pro Grappling on Friday, so that'll be the first ever edition of, of a grappling event uh, from our good friends at Cage Fury Fight Championship. And then Saturday, of course, CFSC 98. So both those events are going to be on UFC Fight Pass. So if you're looking for a little, you know, MMA and, and some and some uh, submission grappling on a weekend that doesn't have a lot of big MMA events, we got you covered at CFSC. But you, uh, you, you're you don't have to worry about work right now. You're you're getting ready to go see some family and. Uh, just enjoy a nice Fourth of July weekend. Yeah, man, I'm stoked. I'm gonna I'm gonna be going just outside of uh, Murfreesboro in Tennessee, uh, just to see the family, and we're gonna do the whole Fourth of July sort of fireworks, and just get to see nieces, nephews, my mom, my sister, uh, brother-in-laws. Um, 
Yeah, man. With this with this crazy schedule that we've been doing, it's it's just been nonstop, man. So at some point, it was just like you know, you just got to make some time to see family or, or or do what you can do. And this just happened to be one of those ones. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I'm super stoked uh, to just get out of uh get out of the heat <laughs> for just a teeny little bit, uh, see some family, uh, you know, drink some beers, light some things up, blow some shit up, uh. Yeah, man, I'm stoked. <laughs> Get yourself all ready for UFC 264. I was that's it. going to be a big one. The that's going to be a big one too. Conor McGregor. Oh man, anytime Conor McGregor fights, obviously that's going to be a big one. The, the The media will all be traveling into town. Of course, we'll be at T-Mobile Arena again for the first time since last March. Sold out crowd. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a big one. So, like you said, you got to got to enjoy a couple days off, but. That doesn't mean the MMA Roadshow takes off. No, sir. 327 consecutive weeks without fail. That's we a lot of weeks. To you. So, listen, we said there's not uh, there's not uh, any major events happening. Although, I, you know, CFFC is, is is pretty major. we got a good card over there. Uh, They're taking over there's fight stuff going on. Uh, Telling you, bro, we got grappling now too, man. We're, we're we're going. Who knows what we'll do next, man? Maybe we'll come up with a kickboxing uh, concept too, man. We'll just have it all going on. But uh, who knew that? Uh, I don't know. The biggest story in mixed martial arts would, would be would be Joe Schilling this week, man, and this this knockout video of him knocking out a patron in a bar and just the the divide that it's caused, man. It's been so interesting to me to see the fallout online between it's like fifty percent hell yeah, Joe Schilling, you got to show these idiots that you can't go around acting like that. To the other half of being like Joe Schilling, what are you doing? You're a professional fighter. You're gonna get your ass sued. You can't be acting like that. You can't be behaving like that. I'm I guess somewhere in between. I mean, I think as a as a professional fighter, you, you do carry some responsibility of not being able to just go off and wail on people in the general public. But at the same time, man, the general public has to know you can't walk around and just act like a complete jackass and, and not expect to pay any any repercussions for your actions as well. So I'm, I'm kind of torn on exactly uh, where I fall on who was wrong with this and how – I mean – Look, legally, I know who's wrong. Joe Schilling's going to get sued for this, man. There's no 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 question in my mind. He's going to end up having to pay some money to this guy. But um, I don't know. Just such a weird situation. I'm going to be honest with you, Kokai. When I first saw the video, I thought it was fake, man. It looked like it was staged to me. It's uh, First of all, I don't even know why there was a camera rolling on this guy. He's just acting like a goofball in a bar. And then I'm like, How? like, does anybody actually hang out at a bar with like their shirt uh, buttoned all the way up and they're then they're tie tied and the little clip there and just kind of grooving like a complete douchebag i mean i not to, not to pick on the guy too much and then joe Schilling happens to walk by in a joe Schilling t-shirt and i mean does joe Schilling really walk around in a joe Schilling t-shirt all the time that kind of surprised me a little bit and then i, I don't know he just kind of wailed on the dude without too much Alter pr- provocation, I guess, is the word I'm looking for. Now, he's come back and explained kind of what happened. I don't know that it was the greatest explanation of all time, but I don't know I'm torn on this because I think Joe's right. People don't have to feel like they can just be douchey and, 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 and flex on people like the guy did, but at the same time, I don't know, man. If you're a professional fighter, like, don't you have to have a little bit more of a of – a, a fuse, I guess, man, a little bit longer limit because I, I, I think he's about to get sued, man. Yeah, I mean, if your life isn't in danger and somebody doesn't lay hands on you or doesn't uh, risk you at bodily harm or where you're actually defending yourself, they could say whatever the hell they want to you. They could call you the nastiest things in the world. They can talk trash about your mom, all that other stuff. Does that mean you deserve an ass whipping? Sure. 
Does it mean that you can give the ass whipping? No, you cannot. Can you defend yourself? Yes, you can. If it is a life-threatening altercation, you can defend yourself. That is your right. But that being said, um, anybody that, you know, handles firearms, handles all kinds of other stuff, you know, you have to be very, you have to know that what you do has uh, life-changing ramifications. Um, Granted, this is a little bit different because this is, hands you know but most of these fighters are considered deadly weapons but still you could hit somebody somebody could fall hit their head die and you are going to jail more than likely uh, for manslaughter if you can turn the other cheek and if you can walk away you turn the other cheek you walk the other way i'm not saying if somebody lays hands on you and is assaulting you defend yourselves by all means and if it is life-threatening do what you need to do to uh equalize the threat to stop it to make sure it cannot hurt you or your loved ones. But that being said, um, Joe knows that uh, if a fight can be avoided, a fight can be avoided. If a guy's drunk, if a guy's being right. an asshole, um, he's being drunk and he's being an asshole. It doesn't mean that he needs to get his lights knocked out. Um, even if he comes and steps in your face, you, you have the ability to walk away from it. Um, mm-hmm. You know... If your life is threatened, you have the right to defend yourself. I mean, I don't think his life was really being threatened. I think his, I think <laughs> no, his I mean, ego that's what he was, said. He went to social media being, to say, like, yeah. oh, I had to defend myself. His ego was being yeah, threatened. Yeah, exactly. But that's it. That's it. And I know he kind of tried to lay it out on social media that, yeah, I was just defending myself. I, I, my, I felt my life was threatened, you know, trying to make that kind of legal case or whatever. But yeah. come on, man. We know that's that's not the case, from the, at least from the video we saw. I mean, I mean, it's and it's in stunning – 4k like I, I still don't understand why it was being filmed in the first it still feels fake to me to be honest with you but uh i think you, you hit you hit the nail on the head right there man i mean it may seem like it's something that needs to happen but you know somebody falls and hits their head on a bar stool or, or something you know on the way down or they just happen to hit the floor wrong and now all of a sudden the guy's dead and you're getting locked up man it's and just your life and i like joe changed. man he's he's a, yep your life is forever changed. You threw away your life, you know, to, for to, for this one moment of, I guess, telling this drunk dude to settle down. And I, I just, you got to think about that. So I, I don't know. I saw a lot of people kind of glorifying what Joe did, and I get what they're saying that like people shouldn't have the right to feel like they can just act a fool, you know, uh, in a bar and hanging out. And, and the guy did, you know, flinch at at Joe. You can see it. I mean, that part of his part of their. Um, I, don't know, I wouldn't even call it an altercation, but part of their interaction is covered up by a, a, another person that steps in the frame. But you can clearly see that the guy kind of jumps at at at, uh, at Joe, and Joe then cracks him. But I don't know, man. I think you just got to, like you said, turn your turn your cheek and laugh, and you know, know that you could have whipped his ass, and they need to settle down. And you know, maybe you say something to him like, "I'm I'm going to refrain from." from punching you right now, but don't ever do that to me again because this is, you know, what could have happened or whatever, but uh, you, you risk really screwing up your life. So hopefully Joe Schilling doesn't get dinged too bad uh, in the financial department because i got to imagine uh, a lawsuit is coming. So that was kind of the surprise story. I guess the other, help, just as surprising of a story, but a completely different kind of story is uh, this interim heavyweight title fight, man. It, uh, I guess pulling back the curtain a little bit, it screwed us up, right? We had done a we had done a spinning back click segment on Monday that you were recording and producing where we basically just debated whether or not Cyril Gaon, who said I'm ready for a title fight, was truly ready for a title fight. And all of us in the in the you know in the the panel 
were like, no, it's too early. You're, you're rushing him. And, you know, yes, he's going to fight for a title at some point, but let's not put him there right now. And before we even get the video uh, produced and released, we find out, oh, Cyril Gunn is going to be fighting for a title, and it's an interim title against Derek Lewis. Of course, Francis Ngannou was uh, a little bit upset and said that nothing has been fair in this process. And uh, his manager, of course, came out and, and started uh, kind of going in on Dana White a little bit. And, and so there's a lot to take in here. I, I guess the, just the first thing I wanted to say uh, before I get your thoughts is um, this is the reality of the business now. I mean, I know that that's not exciting to say and I, I know a lot of people were like oh damn the UFC how could they do this I, I'm just gonna say look of course the interim title fight makes no damn sense whatsoever it makes no sense we do not need an interim title in the UFC's heavyweight division but what we do know is that the UFC had a date planned in August in Houston and this was part of a, you know, a, a sponsorship type deal. You know, it's part of the, the, the presenting sponsorship with the city of Houston signing these kind of, um, you know, site fee deals that they've done for years and years and years. You know, it's why uh, they partnered with the Brazilian government for a couple of years while we were going to random cities in Brazil uh, seven times a year at one point because the Brazilian government was paying for it. Um, and, and the city of Houston was, was working out a deal as well. You know, you saw this economic impact study that the UFC put out uh, recently, and it's because they were partnering with the city of Houston, and they showed that, hey, we can generate revenue. So anyway, that's what's going on behind the scenes. That's the reality of the business. The UFC needed to put on an event in August in Houston. And knowing that, A, they needed a good headliner. Not that, you know, uh, Amanda Nunes versus Juliana Pena isn't a great fight, but it's not... It's not going to sell a ton of pay-per-views if we're being 100% honest. So you need to sell pay-per-views, and you need to fill that arena. And how do you fill an arena in Houston, Texas, especially when the UFC just came there not too long ago with a really good card? you got to have Derek Lewis on the card. Now, ideally, you'd like to have Francis Ngannou in that fight, but Francis had just traveled to Africa. Uh, he wasn't ready to go, and that's every bit his right to not have to you know, show up in August if he's not ready to go in August. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But the UFC still has to put this event on. So they come up with an interim title. The interim title makes no damn sense whatsoever. But I don't, I, I don't understand some of the outrage of it. I mean, it's just a marketing tool. It's just an opportunity to put a fight. And look, it gets Derek Lewis a paycheck. It gets Cyril Gaon a paycheck. If Derek wins, he still gets the fight with Francis Ngannou that he thought he was going to get anyway. If Cyril wins, man. Now you're talking about this, you know, crazy story, this, you know, Cyril and, and Francis coming out of the same gym and having a bit of a fallout with, uh, you know, Francis having a bit of fallout uh, with Fernand Lopez, who's still Cyril's coach to this day. So there's a little bit of the, of the coaching rivalry in there. So at the end of the day, I think the interim title is stupid, but I don't really feel offended by anything that's happened here, especially knowing what's going on behind the scenes. And it's just, it's just part of business. Yeah, I mean, the thing for me is, Cyril and Derek would have been fine for me to watch it as a as a heavyweight uh, main event anyways. For me personally, I don't need mm -hmm. the interim title to make it more exciting for me to want to watch it. Um, I get it if, you know, the, UF the UFC has been stuck on this idea that pay-per-views almost always have to have like this title fight if they can, you know. Um, it's like they think people aren't right. going to want to buy the pay-per-view uh, if they don't. Um it's just it's just unfortunate that at one point the interim title you're right um, now it seems like it's like just a, a PR ploy just to do whatever but at one point it did seem to mean something because it was 
a stopgap when there was a legitimate reason for there to be a title fight, but for some reason the main the the current title holder couldn't do it, whether it be injury, whether it be some other sort of um, freakish obligation that they had to make an interim fight. That has gone away, and now you have this. Oh well, right now we can't come to uh, we can't come to grips with the the current title holder, but we're going to move ahead because we have our own plans and we need to get this thing done. And we don't think that we're going to get the buys unless we have a title. So we're going to create this interim title, and uh, we know that they'll have to fight afterwards to unify the belt. You know, um, it's just it's it's just sad because some people still. You know, and a lot of times it's the fighters um, still feel in their minds. They're like, yes, here I am. I'm getting finally to fight for the title. Um, Whereas now us on the outside, I feel I'm so getting desensitized to what is even uh, this interim title because now it's 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 just a stopgap. It doesn't mean what it used to anymore. And I feel bad for these fighters that. You know, I I love Derek, and I'm so happy that he's getting an opportunity to fight for what feel what is the the title. But it's just it's such a <laughs> sham in the same sense that you know, uh, one month later um, they could have fought, and and Francis would have been fine to fight. He's only had the belt for what like three months, two months, something something ridiculous. Yeah. You know, the fact that they're already trying to rush to force him when. The guy just won it. Let him do a victory lap, at least, you know, for Christ's sakes. Stop rushing um, to push something just because you had to get something out on the books. People, they don't trust enough that the that people would have been happy to watch Derek and Cyril fight regardless in a headline event. They don't trust the fact that their fighters carry enough weight. They think that they have to have this title thing that it's going to make people all of a sudden... Um, want to watch the fight more if anything you alienated people and you pissed people off because people are like dude what are you doing you know like because they just fell in love with francis they were falling in love with him before if they're not already they're they're falling in love with him and now you're trying to strip his power trying to strip some of his mojo away just so you can have another um pay-per-view thing and then thinking that oh, okay well now we're gonna have these two heavyweights going at it to unify the belt you know and create some other little thing it's just it's just weird man and, and it's just they've they've ruined even the sense of what an interim used to mean something now it is nothing more than oh hey it's a pay-per-view card that needs to have a headliner you know it's, it's just yeah. sort of weird man you, well you it's, it's it's interesting right because you bring up some really good points that I do think like the value, I mean, even the interim belts, which I always say the interim belts never meant anything anyway, because you look at most people who get them, the first thing they do is like throw them on the ground and say, yeah. I don't even want, you know, look at Justin Gaethje, he's like, I don't even want this, I want the real one. It's like, dude, yep. that is a belt, like it does count, you know what I mean? Um, but, you know, so you're right about that, like the value, if there was any, is gone. But it is funny when you look at it, because it, if I hear what you're saying right, you'd have been totally fine with, you know, Derek Lewis versus Cyril gone as a main event of that pay-per-view or even... I guess maybe a co-main event of that pay-per-view because if it wasn't for a title, see that's what I'm seeing is interesting, right? Because the marketing view of okay, we got we got Nunes and Pena for the belt in the main event, and our co-main event is a big number one contender fight between Lewis and Gon. The winner gets Francis Ngannou. That would have worked. That for sounds me. good, but when that you're like, work. well, that's what I'm saying. But 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 I guess that it, it, does it does it work for the common fan versus flipping it around and going our main event is an interim heavyweight title. 
you know, and 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 your second title fight is um, Amanda Nunes versus Juliana Pena. You know, to, to the common fan, even though it's even though that's literally the exact same two fights, right? With literally the exact same stakes, because the winner is going to get Francis Ngannou. To the casual fan, does that seem like a whole different event? And therefore, I'm more willing to spend my my fifty bucks. That's true. And nowadays, I wonder. Is there even really still casual fans? You're either a fan or you're not. I feel like casuals only come in when Conor McGregor fights. Then then you get the people that are like <laughs> off to true. the side that are like, hey, I'm now I'm going to pay attention to the UFC. When you got like Amanda Nunes, Juliana Pena, Derek, and Cyril Gon fighting, the people that are going to tune in aren't casuals by any means at this point. Maybe the people That's locally. True. Those are two in, hardcore fights, right, right? Maybe the people in Houston that are going to go watch the fight. Maybe you're going to have some stragglers that are like, oh, hey, this is going on in town. Let me go watch it. That would maybe qualify as like a, I guess, a casual. Nowadays, this, what was a, a, a small niche sport has gone mainstream. It's not as big as the other ones. But I feel like now, especially with this fight, this isn't something that casuals are going to tune into. It's still going to be people that have been following the sport that are involved with the the athletes. And I think those people would have been fine if it was completely the other way. You know, if it was Amanda and them first, because those people are going to understand. They're going to be like, that's a legit um, title fight. This is a con- this is the battle to make sure that this is the person that gets it next, and there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Uh, this is the number one contender fight. This is the the guy that was slated to fight the head uh, the 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 current title holder. They couldn't make it work, and this is the other guy that everybody was like, "Oh man, this is the guy Boy, that's it, also going to give him a run for his money." You know? Yeah, you know what I was just thinking as you're saying that because the what I laid out the difference in pay per view price, you know, the difference in pay per view sales. I I bet that's what the UFC was thinking. It's like, hey, it'll 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 carry more weight. If we make it an interim title, and then we can make it the main event because we can't we can't make it the main event. If it's a non-title fight. But what you're saying is so true. You could sell that so good. You know, Derek Lewis. He had a he had a title fight, but he wanted to fight in Houston. It meant so much for him to fight in Houston. Cyril Gaon thinks he's undefeated. He deserves it more than Derek. He thinks Derek doesn't doesn't deserve it. And Derek stepped up and said, you know what? I know I have a title shot, but I'm willing to defend my place in line in my hometown for my people to prove that I wasn't given anything to fight for Francis Nagano. I already deserved it. I'm thinking about it now, man. Like hearing the, like hearing those storylines. And, he could, story even, lines, and, would, he, could, and he could be like the champ's running from me right now. I'll get to him when I'm done with yeah. this champ, you know? It would have just kept You're building. You're so right. You could sell that. You could sell it. Oh, that, I like – I like that storyline better than the interim storyline. <laughs> like I, mean, I said, I didn't whole, like the interim anyway. But that's the thing. I mean, how do you sell the interim? How can you, with a straight face, justify creating an interim belt? I don't get it. Like, there's no justification in my mind outside of, oh, hey, well, we really needed to have an another title fight for this to kind of, you know, because we've been doing like two title fights on pay-per-views, guys. It's in Houston. You know, we wanted to have the biggest star from Houston fight. Um, so we thought we'd make an interim because we couldn't wait uh, another four weeks. <laughs> not not quite as exciting, is it? That fucking, it's, <laughs> I mean, again, I, I'm, I'm torn in the sense that I'm super, super happy for Derek. If this allows him uh, sure. and them, even with an interim thing, if he, uh, should he get the win um, to have bigger paychecks, to maybe redo his contract, all that other sort of stuff that allows him to financially mm-hmm. do stuff. I dig it. I'm happy for that. 
um, for the sport itself and for the shit that it's doing to Francis. I respect Francis as well. I love his story. Um, Jesus, fuck. Just let him have his victory lap and then let him fight. The fact that we're talking about a matter of weeks, you know, before when he was ready to fight, um, they were ready to go in September. What is it? September 25 was what they were targeting, September 24th. Something yeah. roughly around those lines. Um, it's just, man, it's just, I understand from the business aspect why they're doing it, but as a fan and as somebody that uh, respects both parties involved, it's shitty. It's shitty, and there's no justification yeah. for it. There really, really isn't. How do you sell this? How can you possibly sell this outside of it's just two of the baddest men around that didn't want to wait? Uh, you know. <laughs> You know, it's funny. Uh, sorry, so uh, I was originally supposed to talk to USC President Dana White today. I had an interview scheduled with him, and I was looking forward to asking him about it and seeing what he explained. That, unfortunately, got uh, rescheduled, we'll say, hopefully not canceled. So I'm, I'm supposed to talk to him next week. Uh, I imagine a lot of people will be asking about it next week, so I'm sure we'll get his answer next week. Um, but I guess the big key will be, as, as exactly what you just said, is how quickly do these guys, whoever wins out of this fight, how quickly are they ready to turn around? Because if, they're, if they'll turn around and fight in November, maybe even December, then I don't feel so bad. But you're right. If Francis Ngannou now has to wait until March or something to compete yeah. again, yeah, that's that that's a problem, you know. That that, that means a real a real issue. The, the last thing I want to ask you about this, and, and you know, because you know, as a former USC employee, I guess we should say that Francis Nagano's agent, uh, if anybody didn't know, is a former UFC employee. I believe he worked in uh, sponsorship and advertising packages. Um, do you think that plays into any of this at all? Like, there's there's maybe some beef or because no, I, I, I mean, will say this. I, I will say this. I, you know, it started to get a little nasty online, and I thought, you know what, I, this is not going to help anybody if this thing gets into this, you know, this personal back and forth stuff. It goes back to kind of what we've been talking about with John Jones all this time, right? Like, hey, man, take these negotiations behind closed doors because if you're trying to negotiate this stuff out in social media, it ain't going to work out good for you. Yeah, I thought maybe if anything, Markel uh, felt more um, emboldened to stand up for himself, being. A person that, you know, had worked with him before and, you know, wasn't afraid um, to stand up for his fighter, stand up for himself when he felt that his um, judgment and that his scruples are being, um, you know, scrutinized. I mean, Markel was a was a, he was a he was a great coworker. I mean, he was a good dude. He worked his butt off. Um you know, so I don't feel like he's also was like, oh man, we we don't want to we don't want to piss him off, we don't want to whatever. Just let's just do what we need to do, and we'll, we'll get the next contract, and we'll and and then we'll do it. Um, he is in a position where I think a lot of us, um, when we when we're left shaking our heads, like why are they doing what they're doing? Why could they possibly be doing this? He's in a position to actually do something about it, in the sense of you could either just say, okay, you're right. We're gonna. We're just gonna go with your timeline. We're you're gonna do it. Okay. Okay. I get it. I get it. Or you can be like, no. I have a chance to say no, sir. We are not going to accept that. This is what we want. This is what we're owed. This is what you need to do. Um, he's in a position to stand up for himself and, and to stand up for his fighter, and that's what he's chosen to do. Um, and I don't think mm. what he's doing it um, is is being you know crazy or shifty. Um, I just know that if he really wanted to, if he'd been at any of the old holiday parties and other stuff that I went to, he has <laughs> plenty of dirt about the company that he could bring up, and he's chosen not to. 
So for him to be able to stand yeah. up for himself and to do it in this manner, he's doing it fine. And, and, and good on him for for standing up for himself and standing up for his fighter. And he's not going low. He's not being shitty about it. He's not bringing up stuff that it's no. just like, okay, you're just bringing this up to be a dick. Um, he's chosen the I high just, road and he's standing yeah, I felt up like for he himself. Was- I was gonna say I felt like it was about to go there though. That's what I guess I was worried about. I was well, like, oh, let's see what know, direction this is gonna go in. You it was know? good on him to hint it and say, you know, hey, you're not the only one that can say shit. You know, like I can bring stuff up <laughs> as well. You know, like defame me. You know, say I'm doing something shitty. Uh, I can do the same. You know, and uh, once he said that and he started just a little using warning little, shot, yeah, little little warning shots. I was just like, oh, okay, you know, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, good on him. He was a good dude. Do you know he was on a was it The Bachelor at one point? He was on like The Bachelor. A, that's right. I yeah, remember he was on The back Bachelor. Back in the day. I remember because he, t- he was able to take time off of work for it. And I was like, man, I wish I could take time off or something. But ain't nobody want me on The Bachelor. They'd have to have a show called like the, <laughs> I don't know, The Buffet Dudes. <laughs> like, oh. put him on The Buffet Dude show. How many churscarias can he <laughs> eat in one day? And then what hot chick wants to get with him? None. Uh, while he's got the meat sweats. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, that show man, premise could go funny, really far. We could have fun with that one. Uh. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, uh, those were kind of the biggest stories, but there's others to talk about as well. But listen, I wanted, I, I had a chance to do some interviews this week. And I wanted to share those with you. First uh, was with USC Hall of Famer Boss Rudin. Uh, he was actually promoting uh, Karate Combat Season 3 of that show debuts uh, tonight, actually. If you're listening to this on a Thursday, it's tonight. If you listen to it on Friday, like I'm sure a lot of people do, uh, it, it will have already aired, but I'm sure you can find the replay and highlights of it online. But Karate Combat Season 3, uh, you know, uh, Cole Coffee and I had a chance to go to a Karate Combat event at one time. They're they're unique. They're fun. Uh, it's it's in, you know, having Boss Rutten involved is a big thing. And they also got Loyota Machida and George St. Pierre involved as brand ambassadors as well. So they're trying to do big things uh, moving over to the CBS Sports Network. But, of course, if you get Boss – uh, you know, on the phone or, or on a video call as it may be, you're going to talk to him more than just about karate combat. So we talked about just kind of the state of combat sports. And, uh, you know, he's obviously a sharp mind that's been um, a part of this community for a long time, a lifelong martial artist, an incredible fighter, man. If you, if you never got a chance to see Boss, you know, during his glory days, man, I understand if you're a, a newer fan to the sport, you might never seen it. It's worth going and watching his highlights, man. This guy was an absolute stud. Uh, and he's done great jobs with uh, with commentary and, and broadcast and stuff since. So, um, and the dude's just high energy, man. You can't beat him. There's, I don't know if there's a more fun dude to be around in the sport, man. He's just nonstop. So, uh, here's my conversation uh, with Boss Rutten. UFC Hall of Famer Boss Rutten. I mean, listen, Boss, I know you've had a lot of honors over your career. And I know it's been six years since you went in the Hall of Fame, but is that still a cool honor to hear, man? I mean, the biggest yeah. organization in the world says you're one of the greatest to ever do it. Dude, it's, it's really amazing. Yeah, because, you know, that is solidifies everything, right? That's like – and I, I I wasn't expecting it. I truly wasn't expecting it because I only fought two fights in the UFC. So I thought maybe hopefully later in my career because I was kind of an ambassador for the sports and they put everything together. And then then I said, no, no, we judge you on uh, every single fight, also the fights at Pancras because I beat some UFC champions that came over to us. So, uh, yeah, that was unexpected and it was very welcomed. Yeah, no question about it. The Pancras area, I got to be honest with you, Pancras is what kind of uh, launched my love for MMA, man. Such a wonderful organization. Uh, do you feel like sometimes maybe they don't get the, I don't know, the respect or the knowledge? It seems like only the hardcore old schoolers really know what that era was about. Yeah, I think that if you look how many guys from Pancras became UFC champions, 
it's pretty freaking gnarly. You know, we were a small organization, well, a, a big organization, but compared to prize fighting champions, for instance, uh, for instance, we were not as big. But, you know, that that little group of guys, I mean, we had like six or seven UFC champs in a very short amount of time, all before 2000. You see, so I think they did something right. And I truly believe it's the rules. I, I, I you know, okay, I always wanted to fight without shoes and without everything. You know, it was kind of modified for the Japanese fighters. They're really good with leg locks. You know, striking is a little bit less. Okay, let's do open hand strikes. If you can still put chokes on, he, he, uh, let's put shoes on. Nice for leg locks. Oh, I already said that. But you <laughs> see, it was kind of tailor-made for that. And uh, But what, what the great thing was, was the rope escapes. And the people go, yeah, but that's not real. I know. But if you treat it, like if you would take a rope escape, in my feeling, I would have lost. That's how I would treat it to myself. But now the fight continues. So what happens is if I if you look at my submission victories, I have 15 submissions, I believe, or 14 and then like 12 knockouts. And but but from the 14 submissions, I have officially have like 41 submissions. So what happens <laughs> in a fight, yeah, you get somebody in a submission, but he can touch the rope. Now you restart the fight on the f- uh, feet again. That's a second fight. So we have you have more ring time. I had one fight that I had five submissions. That was the total amount. Five submissions in a half hour fight. That was a 27-minute fight. I broke my head. See, the, that was the first punch I gave. I broke my head. But I submitted him five times. Well, that's five fights because after a submission, every time you stand back up, you know, so you have more ring time. And I truly believe that's why these guys were so successful later in the UFC and the Pride Fighting Championship. I'll tell you what, man. It was a great era. I encourage anybody that never watched it to go check it out. You know, guys like Funaki and Suzuki. I mean, they, yeah. I, they, they were amazing fighters. And, of course, obviously, you had a lot of great success. Boss, how much – are you still an MMA fan? I mean, I know you – you don't have a weekly show to break down where you 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 have to watch everything anymore. So I mean, do you still watch a lot of MMA? Yes, I I, I still do. You know, with my students, I like to uh, to join them if they got a pay per view or something. It's always fun because then everybody gets rowdy and talking. The some of the female students they go, go completely crazy. They're screaming. Out. It's so funny. I go, wow. And in class, they're like, like really really timid, you know. And then you see them completely change. So, yeah, no, I do. And especially the shows. I'm looking forward, of course, to uh, next week, uh, McGregor Poirier. I'm really looking forward to that one. Yeah, no question. What do you think, boss, about the kind of the era that we're in in MMA? I mean, this is a – I feel like a lot of people call it like the entertainment era, right? I mean, I think if you, you – you know, you were a showman for sure. I mean, obviously, you know, the the, the kicks in the ring and, the, you know, you played to the crowd. But not like now where it's there's so much – trash talk and obviously social media is a big thing and all that what do you think is it good or bad because i mean the sport's certainly growing in popularity but then i hear people too that say yeah but we're getting away from what made it what it was which was really about you know the fights themselves and and the athletes and the skill and that sort of thing what what do you think about the, the the era that we're in now well, we're in that era. There's nothing you can change about it. So you can complain about it, but guess what? It's like people, bad people in traffic. I get really aggravated about it. But guess what? It will never change. So either I change and accept it, or otherwise nothing is going to happen. And that's the same with here. You know, these guys, well, it is here. And, and it's entertainment. And, yes, I think sometimes it goes too far. I think so. I think you should leave family out, religion out. You should, all these things, you should leave it out. And sometimes it just got heated up. But the fighters... I mean, you can't really blame them, you know, if they can't put a lid on their mouth. I mean, they, the only way they, they solve problems in the past is probably, like with me, you know, probably been bullied. Something happened to a lot of fighters when they were young, you know. And for me, the language that I understood was a, that was violence back, you know. So now it becomes that. And then you every time you see it as an attack, and if you can't hit, what do you do? You start talking, and then you sometimes you say the wrong thing. So I, I, that's like when somebody's drunk. You know, and, and he says the worst things. Like if Reese Witherspoon one time got stopped drinking and, and she told the cop, do you know who I am? And then people, 
shitting on her pretty much. And I go like, dude, how many, that would be a nightmare for me. I would wake up in the morning in Japan and I would, with a big hangover after the fight, and I would knock on the door for my buddy. And I go, I look at him, I go, did I say it? He goes, oh yeah, you said it. Ah, you know, please, because then we could go into a bar and then, you know, you try everything and eventually you're going to go, you, you know, where you should hook me up. I go, it is so stupid, but you're drunk and let it go. And that's what the same as fighters when they're, you know, aggravated, they can't punch. Well, they start saying things. So give them a pass. I love it. I love it. How about this, though? You talk about this is just the generation that we're in. What about this? This I don't even know what to call it. Are we calling it celebrity boxing or these influencers, you know, that are getting yeah. into it? Because I think the argument is, I mean, some of these, like the Paul brothers, they look like they're taking it really serious. I mean, they're actually yeah. training. But I think people are frustrated because you say, well, how come they're going and making millions? And then we got fighters that have dedicated their lives that are making, you know, thousands. I mean, it, what do you think about this? Is I mean, is this something we just have to accept as well? Or does it does it frustrate you at all? Well, no, absolutely not. I think the Paul brothers, first of all, they take it serious, like you said. I think they're doing great. I mean, and they have an, in, an enormous audience. You know, they did that. If you can't complain about it, why don't you do the same thing? Start a YouTube channel and get a lot of followers. Guess what? Then you can do exactly the same thing. That's the same with McGregor. People go like, well, well but look at him and he makes all that money. Yeah, well, be like him. Good luck with that, by the way, because, <laughs> I mean, this he's, he's a master in, in, in promoting. And that's the same with the Paul brothers. I mean, they built themselves up for years now. But finally, they had to pick their career. And now they found a way to do something, what they love to do, fighting, boxing. And they're actually doing pretty well. I got the huge respect for those guys. I mean, the, the way against Floyd Mayweather going the distance, in my book, that's, that's pretty admirable. Yeah, no question about it. I agree. You kind of just got to respect what they're doing. All right, let's talk about what you're doing these days. Karate Combat, uh, Season 3, debuting July 1st, CBS Sports Network for the first time. You've been with this organization for a while. So so talk to me, boss. What was it about, you know, this organization or the sport in itself, you know, the rule set? What is it about it that, that, that drew you in? Well, they called me all the way from the beginning and they said, hey, we need an ambassador for the sport. And since you come from karate background, would you like to be our uh, ambassador? I said, for what is it? It's, well, it's in, it's in a, a full contact karate league. I go, whoa, okay, don't, don't say anymore. I, I, I want to do it. And then I found out the pit and the way it's shaped and the way, the way we're filming. That was all add-ons for me. That was the icing on the cake. But since it was one of my first sports, my second actually, I only did taekwondo for like two and a half months and then I knocked out a bully in school and my parents took me off. But then the next sport for me when I moved out the house was karate. It was a shintai karate. It was a, a form of karate. And uh, so, but now with these guys, knowing that we have Olympic level athletes uh, fighting each other full contact, it's it's the best. And, and especially if you see the growth, the evolution. I always talk about it at the beginning. There were some guys that they would score, they would score a punch and they would stop because that's point fighting. Yeah, and then they stopped the fight and he gets a point. And, he, and then the his opponent just kept on going. You know, he goes, Oh crap. So all these guys started. Uh, tie boxing and, and, and boxing and kickboxing on the side now because they realized, hey, I have to start throwing combinations. But if you're talking about Olympic level athletes and they start suddenly learning the striking game, I mean, you're going to be surprised. There's some really good fighters. There's a guy, guys that, that I mean, there's almost like the matrix. They see um, they see things before it comes. They're ducking the, the kicks. They, they're moving to the side on punches. I mean, it's it's really cool. And especially with the walls, the 45-degree angle walls that you can use to your advantage. You can literally jump on them and come with a flying punch or a flying kick. You can use it if you get in the corner, pushed in the corner. You can simply run out, and now you're back of this corner. And another great thing is there's an eight count, uh, not an eight count, 
there's a, a, a ground rule. So if you take your opponent down, you can rain down strikes for five seconds. And you're going to really want to use those five seconds. So there's going to be a lot of damage thrown in just five seconds. Now, if you fall with your back against the wall, that is not considered down. So you can do anything if, if I'm laying on my back. But then again, of course, if he leans over, I can kick from my back. I can use now my back against the wall so I got more power in my kicks. But you see, that makes it very interesting. We already saw a knockout by way of slam. You know, so things started to come together. And all these guys that we have do um, a Kubo, uh, uh, do a sport that already has uh, uh, submission, uh, submissions, wrestling in it. And you see those guys excel because out of the blue, suddenly they throw in a, 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 a takedown. Now you throw your opponent out of the game because what is it going to be? It's going to be another strike attack or a takedown, you see. And that's what everybody now starts doing. I was going to ask because I haven't had a chance to see any of season three yet, but does it feel like – because it almost feels like MMA in a way, the early days of MMA, right, where everybody was coming from different styles and then it got blended together with this rule set and people had to learn all those rule sets. Now, granted, this doesn't have as much groundwork, of course, in the Brazilian jiu-jitsu and that sort of thing, but does it feel like those early days of MMA where the sport is kind of evolving right in front of your eyes? Yeah, in that aspect it is. Of course, and with the different styles, you have all different karate styles, and that's cool to see. Goji Ryu, and you see Shotokan, and you see Kyokushin, you know, and the Kyokushin guys, of course, they're used to full contact, but they almost, when they fight, they fight like in a phone booth, that's what I call them. Very close, and they just kick and punch and do everything from there. Now we have your opponent, if he moves away, well, that whole game plan goes down to, out the window. So you see, they have to adapt, the other ones have to adapt. Yeah, but it, like you said, the evolution to see how they use the cage and how they get familiar with full contact because previously they only been doing semi-contact. That's yeah, no question. And by the way, I mean, obviously a big enough name with Boss Rutten already involved, and now you're bringing in guys like George St. Pierre, yeah. Leota Machida. Uh, talk about their involvement. What, what, what exactly are they doing as well, and, and, and what did they think when they first got exposed to this? Well, they also are ambassadors. You know, they were talking about who to bring on board. And I said, why don't you try George and Pierre? You know, I think that's a, a really big thing. You're thinking about it. I said, well, I can, I can, get, can send him a text. So I sent uh, George a text, and he calls me back immediately. And he goes, dude, I just needed to talk to you because I've been watching this organization. I love this organization. He says, money-wise, I don't have to do anything. He says, I just want to pick projects that I really enjoy doing. And he says, and this I would love enjoy doing. Boom. So we got him on board. And then, you know, Leota, the same thing. You know, they 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 reached out to Leoto and he got him on board, which is freaking awesome. And Leoto, I gotta say, man, this guy, um, the the knowledge he throws in and the sayings and the the the, the defenses, all and he's all the Japanese terms from like with punches and kicks and all that. I use Japanese terms so people at home can learn about it. But he knows knows it with uh, with techniques and 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 how do I say it? different styles and, and, and certain moments to build up. He got all these crazy. And when you're around Leodo, you know, if you're a hyper guy like me, he automatically calms you down. I don't know what he has. He has that Zen thing, that real Bushido karate thing. And uh, I, I, I love the guy. And the same George. It's such a pleasure to work with both these guys. They're not difficult at all. You know, if there needs to be an extra little hour done here and there for promotion, they will never complain. You know, I've seen a lot of other guys. Oh, no, no, I didn't sign up for that. They don't want to do it anymore. But these guys, and I truly believe it's because they have a traditional martial arts background. And that's why they're such a great guys. I hadn't even thought about it. Those guys are the perfect yin to your yang, right? I mean, oh, yeah. <laughs> they balance you out, man. Yeah. He's a little call. Hey, talk to me about the presentation, right? So we talked about the athletes. We talked about the fighting service. Then the presentation of this thing is so unique, right, with all the CGI, and it's looking like it's in these crazy places. What I'm curious about, boss, I mean, 
at first when that was done, I thought that was more of a, a reaction to the pandemic, right? I mean, we couldn't have crowds. We couldn't have yeah. events. So I was like, what a cool way to deal with it. But now, I mean, was that the genesis of it or was this always the vision? And is this kind of the vision moving forward? It was not the vision in the beginning, but it was that whole, they had that video game aspect to it. You know, the cameras were behind. It was almost like you're watching a movie. You would see some people in the audience and the cameras were behind the people. So you see a person standing in front of you and through them or two people, you're watching the fight. So I thought that was really cool. The colors, what they did, if the last 10 seconds, it changed colors. And if the break comes, it again changes colors. And once you start adding the CGI with the green screen, yeah, then it became really cool. And especially the things that we could do, like last year, we went last season, we went uh, into space, you know, and we're exploring space. This time we were back in, uh, it, back in time. You know, we, get, we, had, we found a time machine. You know? They needed to find somebody who could actually wanted to do it because, of course, it's very dangerous. But I, of course, offered myself up every time. But this is so cool because now, for instance, we go back to Okinawa, all the way back when it was invented, uh, where, where karate really started, where the roots came from and who started and what. So while you're watching the show, you're going to learn a lot about the history of karate as well. Then, of course, there's another part that we're going to push it forward. It's going to be in the 70s or in the 80s. This is where martial arts got a real big push with Seagal and Van Damme and all these guys that come out to <coughs> Chuck Norris. Uh, that was really a big push for, for martial arts. And then we're also going to look what uh, karate combat is going to look like in the future. And uh, boy, it looks really good. <laughs> That's awesome, man. That's great. Well, I'm looking forward to the debut of the season. Boss, talk to me about the athletes, right? I mean, you look up and down the roster, it, it's it's a global talent base, right? But you know, people like to cheer for their own, right? People yeah. like to cheer for, you know, so American fans are going to want to see American athletes. Are Do we have a, a quality roster of american athletes to compete in why, why are we behind i feel like in america we're behind in the striking sports why is that oh we got a champion we got joshua Quayhagen. you know he's uh he's doing he's doing american karate that's kind of a style that he does the preacher from louisiana i mean great guy and man i mean he, the, the very first fight where i was he got knocked out and that was it after that he went on the tear and he's really good so yeah no we have american fighters a lot of people signed in as well we even have fighters from holland but some of them were uh, one of was injured so he couldn't compete yet we have brian van wasberg who is from belgium but he he trains actually in the uh, in holland in rotterdam he's also speaking dutch that's close to the border where i used to live as well because then you speak flemish and you speak uh, dutch it's almost the same language with a little bit of a slang so yeah no they go everywhere uh, uh owen Chelmia, that's a guy from uh, ireland and um that guy, man, if you see him, or Scotland, you know, it's an Irish kid. When you see that guy coming forward, he will never step back. He only comes forward. And he has to step with Like, in the first round, we go, like, there's no way he can hold this up for so many rounds. And this guy doesn't stop. So it's a really interesting cat to watch. Um, Ross Levine, he's making his debut, uh, debut as well. Big, uh, by, by the way, there's a plug here. A big uh, Bang Muay Thai uh, fan, <laughs> he said. So that's good. Yeah, so people all over the world are coming. We have a lot of Brazilians as well. But Italy, you name it. We got it. Greece, even. That's amazing. Well, I guess, boss, what's the what's the pitch then? I mean, obviously, you know, our audience is, is, is MMA fans. And, yes, there's some combat sports crossover. But, you know, th there is a lot of – fortunately, there's a lot of MMA to watch these days. It didn't used to be that way. We were we were thirsting for, for combat sports. So what's your pitch? What would you tell people? I mean, a, a USC Hall of Famer like yourself that, that has a passion for MMA as well, what, what would you tell to a fan that's like, I don't know if I want to watch – karate i'm not sure about that why would you tell them no this is something you need to watch on on cbs sports network well it's full contact you know and if it's still at the ufc it's still at mixed martial arts i should say you have people who don't like the ground they don't speak because they simply don't understand it it's still there a lot of people now know that it's super effective so they, at least they don't start booing anymore but if they have a chance 
why won't they watch striking? Now, well, now you got Olympic level athletes going at it. You know what, what is not to love, and I think the demographic is much larger than with MMA or kickboxing. Because if you're a ten year old kid, they ask you, mom and dad, if you can watch the UFC. I don't think they're gonna do that. You know, but if he says, hey, can I watch karate? I think the, the parents might be jumping on the couch with him and watch his show. So I think the demographic is much bigger. I think, the, again, Olympic-level athletes, these, these guys are freaking machines. Look at Ronda Rousey. Look what did she, she did in, uh, in, in mixed martial arts. You see? So And we have that in karate. What is not to love? A lot of knockouts, crazy knockouts. Uh, we already saw pe people pushing over flying punches and flying kicks, actually. We saw off the wall as well. Yeah. Please, watch it. You will be very satisfied. Trust me. I love it. I love it. Boss, you said you're looking forward to uh, UFC 264. So before I let you go, uh, any early leans on this big fight, man? Dustin Poirier, Conor McGregor 3, the trilogy, one apiece. Big fight, big fight. I know everybody's tuned in. What are you, what are you thinking? You got any early leans on this one? Oh, uh, no. You know, I, I, I never like to make a prediction because, I, you know, I just, just, just like both guys, uh, any fighter who steps in, you know, and, um, and it's always to – it's hard when you put – Put one out or, or, or point one out, but you know the things that you have to work on. Like for McGregor, I would do more head movement after I strike, uh, because sometimes you get caught. Like all the way in the beginning, I think uh, Dustin threw a jab. He countered with a cross, and then Dustin countered that with a cross. Now, if this training camp has been looking at that, they might start doing that more often because you know the cross is kind of coming for McGregor because he's so highly successful with it. Well, if you know it's going to come, you can also find find uh, uh, combinations and counters for it. Uh, single kicks, that's Poirier. He throws a lot of kicks out of the blue. I think it's a very dangerous thing to do, you know, and especially now because he probably wants to go after that leg again, but set them up at strikes because McGregor's accuracy is so, so perfect. You know, if he just single throws single kicks, he's going to get counted. Like the show Inside MMA, you know, we did 431 shows and every single week we had highlights around the world. And every single week, at least one person got knocked out because he threw a single kick. And every single week I was shouting, no single kick. They actually make T-shirts and people are still doing it. Why not setting it up with some strikes, you know, because otherwise you're going to get knocked out. Proof is in the pudding. So um, Poirier has to watch out with that to throw these nice and loose kicks. I wouldn't do that. Set them up at, uh, with power strikes because then you put them in a the defense and that's when you can start kicking. So, uh, yeah, it's all about who's going to connect and who's going to enforce his game plan. Is McGregor suddenly has, does he have a different stance? Is more an open stance? If he's a more open stance like I have, well, you can't give the calf kicks because then you're going to kick the shin bone, you know? So we're going to have to see the adjustment that he made. Is it enough time to make those adjustments? Because most of the time, like Mike Tyson would say, you know, it might work, but until he gets hit and feels uncomfortable and then they shoot automatically back into their old style that they've been doing for such a long time. So... Yeah, that, that's about it. I think that Poirier needs to be a little bit more tight with his punches. That's what I would do. McGregor should add some hooks to his repertoire. He used a lot of straight punches, but a hook here and there I think will be very effective. That's beautiful. That's a great breakdown right there, boss. I miss Inside MMA. Man, that was such a fantastic show. Yeah. And it's because I love hearing stuff like that, man. Great breakdowns from you, boss. But we don't get Inside MMA, but we got Karate Combat Season 3 debuting July 1st, CBS Sports Network. Make sure you tune in. And, uh, boss, this was great. We'll have to do it more often. And I appreciate it, my man. Godspeed, John. Thank you for having me. All right, that was the one and only Boss Rudin. Uh, listen, I mean, I, I, I stand fully in agreement with a lot of things he says about, you know, what's going on in the world of, of MMA and, and uh, you know, these influencer fights and everything else. I, I think I, I've really... 
I don't say change my stance, but I, I have really come to that position where, you know, even if it's not the most appealing thing to you or the most amazing thing to you, man, I don't know how you can't, you know, respect these guys for what they're out there doing. And, uh, you know, it's just it's a constant evolution, and it, it brings attention to the sport. And there's always new things. So uh, I, I can't hate on people for going out there and doing their grind. So anyway, always a pleasure to catch up with Boss. I'll make sure and do that more often because I, I enjoy chatting with him. Listen, if you like what you're hearing, uh, do us a favor. Take a second, wherever you're listening, to uh, log in. Make sure you get uh, rate us, review us, leave feedback for us if you can. Uh, Apple Podcasts is where I listen most. Uh, so if you leave feedback there, love, love to check it out. Uh, we, we really appreciate it. and obviously just sharing it and rating it and telling people about it, man. It helps us uh, kind of grow this thing, our little our little pet project on the side, myself and, and Cold Coffee. Uh, and, of course, if you really want to help us out, if you really like what you listen, you want to take your support to the next level, head on over to patreon.com slash the MMA Roadshow. You can sign up there for as little as $3 a month to help support us. It'll give you uh, exclusive access to the and a half episodes that we do mm-hmm. after every single UFC event. Uh, of course, no UFC event this weekend, so uh, we'll take a weekend off from the and a half. But, of course, uh, we're always interacting with people over there. It's kind of a, a fun little community that we've done. And, of course, that takes us straight into the Q&A section this week from our friends over at patreon.com slash the MMA Roadshow. Cold Coffee has done a fantastic job of lining up uh, a Q&A session with our most preferred members over there at patreon.com slash the MMA Roadshow. Appreciate that support. And, by the way, we didn't have a name for a Q&A <laughs> segment. I mean, I guess you could just call it the Q&A segment if you like. Uh, but Cold Coffee got a little bit creative with it, man. He had like a like a moment of, of inspiration. It's a moment of inspiration. You hit me up. I'm telling you, man. You hit me up. You were like, dude, I came up with this. And I, I, maybe it's crazy, but I, I don't know. I think it's good. And uh, I heard it, and I said, you know what? That is clever, Cold Coffee. So would you like to would you like to drum roll, please? Uh, official. <laughs> maybe I'll make a jing- I'll make a jingle for it, or I'll, I'll find a good little jingle for <laughs> yeah, it or something. We gotta get a jingle. Gotta get a little for, there you for, go. for the roadmap, roadmap, roadmap. That's not how the jingle is gonna That's go right. by by any means. But yeah, so uh, <laughs> we we talked about uh, the roadmap, and the roadmap being like you know when you're driving along the road, when when you're going forward, you know you look at the map, you're like, where are we gonna go to next? What direction are we gonna go? You know, and I was like, man, we have these people all over the world, you know, from different locations with their thoughts and their desires and where they want to go. And I was like, just let them steer the ship, let them point the direction, let them tell us where we're gonna go. Put us on the map. Tell us what where to go. So that's what the the idea that's was deep, behind man. the the roadmap. So uh, so we got some submissions. We got some people that said, uh, you know, I'm going to do it. And and currently right now the roadmap is only open to the uh, the the stars and the producers. So the five and the ten dollar level. Yeah, everybody, you know, feel free to always, you know, sort of send us, um, you know, questions and thoughts as a week. We will always have an open door to you guys. But we just want to give a little something extra. For those that are giving a little something extra to us, so um, do you want to go ahead and uh, pick which one you want to go on first, John? Uh, yeah, let's. I'll start with the first one we got, man. Uh, with Daniel, he said, first of all, he said, first of all, thank you for putting this together. And, oh well, Daniel, you're welcome, we Daniel. You, man, for all the support. Come on, he said, you guys right now. How do you guys see the Nagano situation playing out? Now we touched on this a little bit, yeah. but I don't think we really touched on where we see the conclusion going. So. You tell me, because I guess the biggest concern is, is this going to be an ugly battle between Francis Nagano and the UFC? 
Could it even lead to the John Jones fight happening? Could this turn into a positive somehow? I don't see that happening, so I'm just yeah. going to go ahead and rule that one out. <laughs> I don't think we I don't think we are actually any closer to a John Jones situation happening, but um I think the key will be to see how quickly the winner of this Derek Lewis and Cyril Gaon fight is ready to turn around. As we mentioned earlier, that's going to be the big part of this. If they if they make a quick turnaround, then look, I think we move past this really quick. We understand this was kind of a business decision. Uh, it, you know, like you said, Cole Coffee, if it ends up giving a better contract to Lewis, Gone, both of them, if they end up making a little more money because of this, cool. You know, if the people of Houston end up uh, enjoying seeing their guy competing in there for a title, like, I do think there are positive things about this, but it's all going to depend on how things get handled moving forward. I'm going to hope, and, and I'm going to hope that this doesn't turn dirty. You you, you yeah. touched on it there as you were breaking down the, the Markel Martin situation. I think he he kind of he kind of threw the warning shot out there and said, hey, if you want this thing to get dirty, we can make it dirty. But he's been kind of quiet since, and, and, and it, it, it leads me to believe that cooler heads can prevail. So, what do you think? Do you think do you think this thing turns out okay, or do you think we're in for a, a, an ugly battle between these two moving forward? I hope not, but I think you're right. I think cooler heads are prevailing. In fact, I tried to reach out to Mark Allen and was like, "Hey, man, if you want to tell your story, you know, we have an outlet. We can help you do it." And and he didn't respond. And I think that was partially probably him saying, um, "I said my piece." Um, now I need to sit back and, and be a manager again and take myself out of this equation. I will, um, you know, stand up for my fighter and do what's right for my fighter. And maybe at this point it means pulling, pulling back and taking me a little bit more out of the equation. Um, I hope, uh, this doesn't cause anything with Francis. I don't think it will. My, my whole fear is that I just hope that, you know, Derek and, and Cyril, whoever wins this comes out without injury and is able to kind of not set the time frame too far back because they're going to need some time to rest. Um, hopefully that means, uh, you know, all the parties involved take it easy. I mean, because that, I mean, who knows, something can happen to Francis in training. You know, I mean, that could set it further back, you know. But I think ultimately, um, I don't think it's going to, it's going to ruffle some feathers. It's going to cause some discussion. But I think ultimately, um, I don't think it's going to be too much. We're going to see Francis fight the winner of this, um, hopefully in short order after the fact, and then and then we'll be able to, to uh, you know, kind of move on beyond this. Um, but unfortunately, there's always going to be that that little stink mark on the the the, the time of history that the UFC chose to um, make an interim fight when it didn't really need to. But I don't think that's going to sour Francis to the point of where. Um, He's going to be trying to not do fights, try to do all these, uh, you know, fun external fights elsewhere, you know, because he's upset and now he's going to just do whatever he wants to do instead of thinking, you know, sort of of the yeah. division. Um, I think it's going to be a short term, uh, rather feathers ruffled. Um, I think we'll get back to, 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 to relatively um, normalcy. Um, but we just need this fight to happen, get it over with. Hopefully all the parties involved go injury-free. Um, and then hopefully three months after that, we're seeing a unification of the belt. Yeah. I, I think I mean, I think we've kind of alluded to it, but I think what happened here was the UFC kind of got backed into a corner. I know they'll never admit it or say it like that because they don't ever want to make it seem like they had their hand forced. But they had this deal in place with the city of Houston, and they had this date on the calendar, and they needed to fill it, and they needed to fill it in the most you know appetizing way possible. And this is this is the way that they went. And I understand if they were if I was in their shoes, I'm not saying I wouldn't make the same decision. But you're right, it's the, the interim the interim belt is stupid for all the reasons we said. Um, but I think. 
I think we see Francis Nagano against the winner of this fight uh, the end of this year, December, in Vegas. Big fight on the strip, pay-per-view. Uh, and as you said, it's a, it's a little hiccup in time, but but we've moved past it quickly. So fingers crossed, that's what we end up seeing. All right, DJ Freedom, uh, kind of a little bit similar topic here, but it says, do you see any future consequences to the UFC and the sport of MMA with the UFC's willingness to move on past a fighter when they hold out for more money? We've seen this with Nugano and Jones, and we nearly saw it with Mazidal a year ago. It seems to be becoming more common in the Endeavor era. Now, there's a lot of ways you can go with this for sure. I think the first thing that that stands out to me is, as you said, it's kind of seeming to happen a little bit more. The UFC has made it clear they're not going to allow any one fighter to slow them down. The machine has got to go on. they got dates yep. to fill. they got programming that has to be made. They're not going to stop. They're going to keep holding events. And if, if, if you're not willing to go, then the guy right behind you, it's next man up, right? I mean, I think that's what they always say like in the NFL. It's next man up. You know, well, that's what it is in, in here too. It's the next man up. And if you're not willing, sorry, baby. We ain't got time to wait. We're going on to the next one up. That's, that's the reality of the situation. That's the UFC's perspective. To me, what you're saying and seeing this over, over, over and over – should honestly be an alarm for the fighters and what they need to see for a unionization effort, an association effort, an organization effort. You know, they got to get together with each other to prevent it from being this way. The problem is nobody ever nobody ever looks to establish that help or looks to establish that system until they find themselves in that position. You know what I mean? And then it's yep. it's too late. So yep. um, I, I, I do think that the fans – or to the fighters, I should say – need to realize, hey, unless we're willing to get together and do something like this, they are going to continue to move on without us. And I'm not blaming the UFC for, for that either. I mean, the UFC is just running their business. That's what they're trying to do. So um, I think it should be an alarm. I don't think it will be an alarm, unfortunately. I, I just I, – I, I think that there is always somebody that's willing to go, oh, sorry that wasn't enough money for you. It's enough money for me. I'll, I've never made a million dollars before. I'll go in there yeah. and make a million dollars. And so I think it's tough for the fighters to all get on the same page. Now, I will say if fans are annoyed by this, if fans are, are sick of this, the fans can vote with their money, right? They cannot pay for the pay-per-views. But that's tough, man. If this is your thing, <laughs> you know what I mean? If this is your thing, you know, you want to watch other fights on the card or you at least, you know, you want to watch the events, you want to tune in. I mean, hey, Maybe you just tune in for the prelims. Maybe you just tune in for the – maybe you don't buy, you know, the main card and you wait. And I'm, I'm definitely not saying you should go out and pirate it. I'm not trying to say you should go out and do something illegal. But, you know, maybe you don't pay for the ones that, that you want to prove. Now, again, it's a difficult stand to take. And if you make it by yourself, you know, it's not it's not like they're going to go, you know, we sold uh, 999,000 uh, 999. What, what, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, did, what happened did, that last week? Did Cold Coffee not buy – <laughs> we thought we were going to do a million. Did that one guy, is he pissed off at us and didn't buy it because it's interim title? Oh, we got to change everything now. We were supposed to do a million. So it's tough. That's not going to happen either. But I do think exactly what you touched on earlier, Cole Carver, the biggest thing of it is what you're really doing by some of this is devaluing the meaning of titles and devaluing um, you know, what these belts mean and what these championships mean because um, – you know, you're making kind of random fights to fill it because you're not making the ones that 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 want. I mean, everybody wants to see John Jones and Francis Nagano right yep. now. I think I, I can't. I've not heard many cases for why that is not a fight that people want to Guys, see. Guys, that just sounds like it won't be fun. Say, it just sounds like it won't be fun. No, right? it's not for me. It's not for I, me. No, I no, haven't heard no. a single one. But I do understand too. Again, 
the UFC is thinking long-term about their business, right? And they're saying, man, if we do give John this upfront money that he's asking for, now every other fighter is going to want this upfront money as well. And, and that's not the way we do business. We do business, you know, with sharing on the back end with, you know, our quote-unquote partners, as they like to say it, when the athletes are sharing in the, in, in the, in the pay-per-view revenue model. So um, I would say overall, you know, the, the question being, do you see any future consequences to the UFC and the sport of MMA? be honest with you I don't because there's always going to be somebody willing to step up I think it should be the alarm bells that fighters see and hear to know that they need to get together if they want it to stop happening but I just don't I I've been covering the sport professionally for 15 years and I've seen multiple organization efforts over the years and they just never go anywhere and because of that I I don't think it's ever maybe not ever going to happen but I just don't see it happening and I don't think the UFC is going to slow down, man. They're continuing to grow. They're continuing to to to, to sign TV deals all over the world. Yep. I guess the only the only consequence that I see is that maybe people don't really worry about the belt that much anymore. They don't chase the championship anymore because they're they're more chasing individual fights that they think will be the most profitable. I guess I don't I, I don't know. What about you? Any, any yeah. I mean, do you see no, like I mean, oh my god, what they're doing now is destroying the sport. Yeah, no, and, and I agree completely. I think you said it great. And the only thing I would say just to add and to touch on kind of what DJ said there is that uh, it does seem to be more common in the Endeavor area, but I think that's partially because, um, one, this is this is the, 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 the time of TV deals. It's the time of ESPN. You know, uh, I would say it was more of like once we got the, the big TV deal of ESPN that they really – started to try to meet these these things but it you can't discount the endeavor as well because the the UFC has to answer to somebody now they have somebody looking at that bottom line before they had a little bit more freedom where they could say okay are we are we free to maybe operate at a lesser budget this year because of this 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 they have to give returns the, the, like somebody else is looking at it. the UFC while they are able to operate for themselves, they still have to answer to another company when it comes to expenditures, revenues, and things of other sort. Um, so, you know, he, he raised a good point that, you know, is it maybe more prevalent now that Endeavor is involved? Um, it could be. It really, really could be. But like you said, um, I don't think it's, you know, we're going to see any crazy changes and, until there is a massive mindset change of all the parties involved. You know, if it starts with yep. one person going in there and making sure that their contract is as lock solid um, in in their favor, that they're comfortable so that maybe some of these things can get spelled out in their contract. If something comes up, if there's a dispute, have it better phrased out to how you will deal with these, con these uh, conflicts, if you will, or uh, when time constraints don't work, you know, if if you can't make a date, they can't work on a date. Maybe there's a point where um, you can, you, if the part both parties involved can get it, but nobody's really at fault because of either injury or blah blah blah. Maybe that means you can get one fight off your contract. You know, if, if that can be, mm. that can have a clause or something where it's like, I really say this, you say this. Okay, well these these things have been met. Let's just call it. Let's call it a day. I'm gonna let you not have to give me one more fight. I'm going to have one less fight that I have to fight out if you have multiple ones. You know, try to find ways to, you know, better make sure that your contract is in your favor so that if, you know, you get sidestepped and then now you're like, man, I'm not getting the fight I want. So now I have to wait eight more months, but I still got to give them a fight. 
you know, where it's like, okay, if you're forcing me to wait eight months and blah, 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 and I don't feel like I'm at fault, you don't think you're at fault, hey, that's one less fight that I have to get. So now I know that I'm still having, you know, if you if you want to maybe pull that thing, because then you could, you know, say you have three fights and they do something and you're like, man, now I got to wait eight more fights and I still now am stuck with this contract for three more fights. Whereas if, say, if there's certain, you know, things are met, you're like, okay, let's call this fight a scratch. Now we have two left. Um, mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, if because if you're not liking the way that they're dealing with you, you're able to get out quicker and you can go elsewhere. Um, if they're not giving you the contract that you want beforehand, that's tough because you want to fight for the premier organization, which pretty much everybody agrees is the UFC. Um, but at some point, you have to better, you know, maybe get locked down what you want in a contract and what you're willing to concede, but also things that you're not willing to give up um, that you deserve as a contractor and as a fighter that's providing the goods. Um, and if... You know, if it starts there, and I think if as if more fighters start trying to make sure that what they have is good, um, I think that that would start spreading. And eventually, yes, until fighters collectively agree that certain practices can't be done by the the overall promotion, that it's just not right. Um, until they all figure that out and stand up together, they have to find a way to do it on their own individually. But um, nothing's really well, going to change anytime really shortly. Um, but yeah. And, and I, I agree because exactly what you said there is, is until they do it together, because the problem is what you like, what you said is a pretty interesting little argument, like a little, a little clause to work in there, which I think is, 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 is a great thing to ask for. Now, who knows if the UFC would grant it, but let's say they did, but they only grant it for one guy, you know what I mean? And right. now it's just that one guy and that one guy never tells anybody like nobody else even knows to ask for that where it's like, Oh, right. you really, you can have, that is a good idea. It would we be the, it would be the managers, right? Cause it would be that it would be like the Ali right. closet. Cause Ali would do it for every one of his fights, right? You know, and some other manager right. would do it for every one of his fighters, but you're right. I don't think the managers, uh, uh, and agents do a but good job. But then Ali's job. never going to share the idea with Malky and Malky's never going to share they, the that's idea. It. You know, like. That's it. They all, they all like, Oh, I got, my stuff my fighters come to me because i got i can do this 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 for them whereas like yep. you know even that could be collectively done differently if there was more of a, a, a sort of a, a brain dump of what's happening and, and say you know just so people could do that you know i mean i think more and more fighters should talk nobody wants to talk about pay nobody wants to feel like they're making less than others but if there are things out there that you're figuring out and you're like man i wish i figured this out 10 years into my career that you could save somebody else and 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 be that good bro, you know, that's helping somebody out along their way. Um, I would do that. I mean, I try to. I mean, I certainly don't try to shit on every fucking fantastic shooter or editor out there that's coming up after me just because I know it someday this this person's going to be better than me. Nah, man. Like, mm -hmm. help the next generation. Help the people that are in your field um, to get better, and in turn. Karma's going to reward you for that, man. So, in this, and you know, granted, karma doesn't pay bills. <laughs> better contracts no. and better other stuff no. does. But, you know, you would hope that collectively as a whole, the industry would start looking after the industry better. And I think once people understood that um, collectively they are stronger together when they uh, do these better things and it spreads out and then it, like a – a little fire starting once it goes before you know it i mean th that little bonfire becomes a huge fire and and, it, and then it flames everybody to get better you know um but it's it's uh, you know um 
one little thing, you know, you just never know what the catalyst is going to be. You know, it could be any of these times that they do something that could be. So you never know what could come from even this one, you know. But collectively as a whole, once I think fighters start working for the benefit, maybe it doesn't even mean to be a union right off the get-go. But start figuring out what you guys are doing that's working and 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 share that knowledge um and then watch it spread a little bit and then eventually when everybody understands that maybe hey we're all in this together then you'll actually will try to do something together and then you will stand up for each other and then you will get your union you know, but you know it's so interesting right i mean john jones obviously is frustrated right now francis nagano is frustrated right now we'll see how long that lasts but you know if john jones um hadn't given away the title you know, and, and, and you had your light heavyweight champion and, and potential greatest of all time and your heavyweight champion and scariest dude on the planet, and they're trying to make a fight, but they can't get it done. And, they, you know, could they have been the catalyst working together instead yep. of working against each other, you know, yep. instead of saying, hey, man, why why are you scared? Why are you running? Sign the contract. You know, if they had been able to come together behind the scenes, those two guys in particular, um, could they have been the catalyst, you know? And maybe they still could at this still point. Can. I don't know. You never know. Uh, you never know. Y- you got to work together, though. You got to work together, even with people that you, you that you might think are your enemy, and even with people that uh, you might need to punch in the face. Uh, you got to work with them. So we'll see. Uh, interesting question. All right, Joe Lucenti. He says, "Look, Frank Shamrock is my all-time favorite fighter, and I've been asked uh, how successful he would be in the modern MMA. And I think Frank could be anyone in the middleweight division, including Adesanya. Now, I'm not going to guarantee he would win every time, but he definitely would be highly successful. Uh, so my question to you guys is." What fighter in his prime from back in the early days of MMA could be successful or even a champion in today's MMA, Whoa. especially with modern-day training and new skills that can be learned? And Joe said, and yes, I'm older than you guys. No, I'm not telling my age. Hey, it's okay, man. You could be a Frank Shamrock fan. My first, The first UFC I ever went to uh, was UFC 16. It was headlined by Frank Shamrock and Igor Zinoviev. So that was the very first uh, UFC. So I'm, I'm a Frank Shamrock fan, too. And you know what? I agree. Frank Shamrock was a guy that was kind of ahead of his time in a lot of ways, and I think uh, he would be very successful in today's. Now, we're talking prime. We're not talking about right now, you know what I mean, at his age. But we're talking about a, a vintage you know, uh, Frank Shamrock. I think could be successful in the modern era. And again, you're talking about especially with modern-day training and new skills that can be learned. Uh, because we've seen how fast this, this sport has gone. You know, you saw when Hoist came back to fight Matt Hughes, and Matt Hughes just absolutely dominated him. Uh, yeah. You know, you could see right there in front of your eyes how quickly the sport had evolved. So, you know, you've got to you got to say that they could, um, you know, they could they could evolve as well along with it. So, a couple names that popped in my mind when I started thinking about this. The first one that popped in my head, Marco Huas. I think Marco Huas um, was a phenomenal athlete with a little bit of a mean streak, great skills, uh, legendary uh, in his in his toughness on the streets as as well as in the cage. Uh, when he debuted in the UFC, uh, he was already 34 years old. So I mean, not not uh, ancient by any stretch of the imagination, but not a, a young guy when he came to the UFC. So I think you know if you had gotten Marco Huas into into you know real MMA training you know in his in his early 20s or hell maybe even late teens the way things are now um, the guy had such an amazing skill set I think Marco Huas would have been uh, successful in today's modern era I think Ola Taktarov uh, would have been uh, man that dude was just as durable as they come incredible grappling uh, you know great uh, great sambo uh, you know judo uh, BJJ I mean l- l- had it all and um, I think, you know, with his toughness, his durability, his grappling skills, I think he could have been successful in the modern game. Uh, Don Fry was another one that came yeah. out, you know, a guy that 
Um, I, you know, I think 31 when he made his uh, MMA debut, but you know, had a boxing background, had a wrestling background, had great athleticism. Again, toughness, durability, a little bit of a mean streak. Had um, a power so, stash. So those three. Yeah, oh, in the stash. I mean, that's definitely that's marketability right there, man. You're telling me. Uh, so I think those three were the, were the names that came out at, at me first that I thought, man, I, I'd love to see them competing in today's modern game. I mean, look, B- Boss Rutten, a guy that <laughs> Boss yeah. Rutten, the guy that we talked to earlier. I mean, Boss would certainly be successful in the modern game. Um, but I was kind of thinking back to the real, real early ones. Uh, now here's here's a couple that, and other names that I will say uh, that that I thought about. Tank Abbott. Would Tank Abbott be successful in today's modern era? Now, listen, we're not talking about um, uh, you know a, a, a phenomenally well-rounded fighter, but in the heavyweight division, you know, having that one-shot, uh, you know, kill strength that he had. I mean, he did have some some defensive wrestling, um, but you know, could knock people out in one division. And and look, the heavyweight division, we always say that's a division that's not necessarily incredibly deep, right? And if you have that one-shot power. Uh, you know, uh, you know Francis Ngannou is getting better and better, but he 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 wasn't always a, a well-refined fighter. You know what I mean? Now, granted, his physique looked a little bit di- different than Tank Abbott's, um, but you know he wasn't necessarily the most refined fighter. He was wild, but if he caught you, you were done. So, so a wild card there, Tank Abbott. Now, I'm not saying he would be the most well-rounded guy. I'm not saying he'd be <laughs> champion, but I think he would still his power would still translate to the modern game, and he would knock some people out. Now, he would definitely be. He would definitely be a one-round guy where you're like, I just got to get past his first five minutes, and we're good after that. But that one. And then a couple other names that, 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 that I thought about as well were guys like Mark Kerr and Mark Coleman because of their incredible wrestling. Although with both of them, now if we're in the modern era and the USADA era – uh, maybe, maybe not so much. Maybe, maybe, maybe the Sada era might be a little tough for them. But I mean, those guys were, uh, you know, next level wrestlers, and I do still think, you know, next level wrestling, um, can still be uh very, very uh, useful for you in MMA. So, uh, listen, I, I I stole a bunch of names there, but those are the ones that stood out to me as far as early, early era guys. Uh, Cole Coffee, you 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 got a name that that comes to mind? I I mean, there's you only bounced one off me the other day that there's I thought only was one funny. name. <laughs> There's only one name, and it and it's it's the one and only Art One Glove Jimerson from UFC One. Think about it. Think about it. And this it, it, it sounds ridiculous, but think about it. In the in the in the age of crossovers, how about a guy that boxes and does MMA? Where 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 have we heard this recently? Where have we heard this recently? And what better in today's social media day? Imagine a guy showing up for a fight with one glove on his hand. And then you could just have T-shirts about it, you know. And Jake Paul, the Paul brothers, would be scrambling to fight him. But imagine if this guy actually learned some MMA, and then uh, still having his boxing. But uh, you know, we could tweak the look. The dude would be a superstar. He would be an absolute. I'm telling you, social media superstar right now. If he came out how he did at UFC one with the whole, the whole act, the whole just like weird sight of it <laughs> i think it would be absolutely uh it would be fantastic he would be a tiktok superstar at this point and uh the fact that I'm he could actually get you. some real training because back then people people thought what like gracie was doing was like magic it was like it was like yes, voodoo it, it was like we don't understand this this is crazy i don't get it but if he could actually get some uh defense some little jujitsu um you know the 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 glove would be a stick uh, part, but you know maybe he could try to fight with it. I don't know; it'd be kind of weird. But uh, 
But just the whole the whole look of him right now, if he would come out right now, the Paul brothers would be scrambling to fight him. Uh, he would be an absolute uh, superstar because of social media and what people would do. Um, so I know that's not quite the, the best answer because it's not just about um, no, what he I would transfer I, I for the it. skills. But he would be absolutely huge right now if he was in the MMA game it's right funny. now. It's funny. It's. I mean, it's it's coming at it from a different perspective than I was looking at it, but the answer is so true because you're so right. I mean, the dude is still one of the most iconic, you know, images. I mean, anybody that knows UFC one will, will, will t- even if they don't know the name, they'll be like, "What was that? That guy that wore the, the guy one that boxing wore a glove, glove or whatever." It's like <laughs> that was 1993. Yes, everybody knows. So uh, let me do the math. Uh, and people still talk about Almost it, man. So you're so right about 20, it. You're it so right. Look at the crossover fights. This, Social media influencer, man. It's it's it sounds like you're just being goofy and giving a funny answer. It is but goofy and funny, but it true. it would be super true. It would be absolute gangbusters right now. Imagine, I mean, because you want to talk about what social uh, or just like the you know the 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 casuals, if you will, of people that just maybe right. hear they only hear of MMA when they see it in the headline uh, from whatever news outlet. If they're reading and say, man shows up to MMA fight wearing one boxing glove and not, and, uh, you know, whatever, something you could spin it. I'm not a headline writer. People would be like, what? Let me, let me, let me, let me, let me watch this. And next thing you know, uh, you got 20 it, it million. Would be viral. It'd be viral. It would be super viral. It'd be viral. If, if, yeah, That's amazing. if That's what amazing. he did, he would have been, he would be huge right now in, in today's terms. So, but he could benefit certainly as well, learning some MMA that has changed the game since then. Everybody in that, that contest um, looked ridiculous in terms of compared to um, everybody. Wasn't there like a ninjutsu guy in there as well? <laughs> if I remember right, uh, UFC two, yeah, yeah UFC two, fucking yeah. crazy. How different we. Uh, it is. It is. Fu- it is funny when you when you go back. You know, when you go back, it's you're so right, man. It's dude. It's I don't think people now, maybe that came to the game late, can understand just how revolutionary it was. As you said, it was like Hoist Gracie was doing magic. We were like, what are they teaching in Brazil? Yeah. What is going on? So amazing. All right, well, thank you to Daniel, DJ Freedom, Joe Lucente. Those were some fantastic questions. Uh, Cole Coffee, do, do you have the, the the closing jingle for the uh, for the roadmap? <laughs> roadmap, that, roadmap, roadmap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like I'm having High like a stroke. level production here. It's, it's like I'm having a stroke. Here, <laughs> I think so. cold coffee just shut off. I don't know what happened there. It's amazing. Uh, all right. Well, listen, when you tune into the MMA Roadshow, you, 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 you like the, the quality banter. You like the interviews. Uh, and, of course, you know, on a week that we bring you uh, a UFC Hall of Famer, you would say, well, that's strong. But, no, we bring you – two UFC Hall of Famers. Mm. I had a chance to sit down uh, and speak with Rashad Evans uh, er- earlier as well, UFC uh, former UFC light heavyweight champion and uh, now unretired and active fighter. And Rashad, speaking of the crossover, is looking to get in that crossover game. So let's hear from Rashad. You will hear, uh, I'll just warn you up front, and this is probably most people don't even care. You will hear a change in his microphone at one point. His uh, battery died, and so the audio sounds a little bit different in the beginning and the end. I probably shouldn't even say anything because most Unacceptable. people don't care. I care. Unacceptable. I care. I want you to know that I acknowledge it. I apologize for it. It was out of my control, but I want you to know that I do acknowledge it and, uh, yeah, accept my humblest apologies. But I like talking to Rashad Evans. It's been a long time since I caught up with him. So I thought even with that difference in microphone that's going to annoy the 
piss out of me. I still wanted to share that conversation with you. So here's Rashad Evans. Rashad Evans, UFC Hall of Famer, UFC analyst, and now once again an active fighter, man. It sounds so crazy to hear. I'm happy about it. But uh, tell me, I mean, why the decision to come back? And I got two theories. One, the psychedelics are really setting in, man. (laughs) (laughs) Or two, the new baby means I got to get some more paychecks coming in. So what, what was the motivation for coming back? Uh, a little bit of both, man. And just, uh, you know, wanting to just, you know, go out and have fun again. You know, I, w- I want to be able to end my career the way that uh, the way I brought it in, which is with his enjoying fighting. I felt as the last few fights that I had on my UFC career, I just wasn't I just wasn't mentally there. You know, I wasn't really engaged and I really wasn't invested in fighting like I, I know that I can be. So um, it, it just it was something that uh, I I knew that. Once the smoke settled, as far as my emotions concerned, you know, with competing, that I'll want to compete again. And um, now I'm to the point where, you know, um, I'm I'm happy again in life. I'm enjoying the process of of training and and uh, and and you know, helping guys get in shape. You know, I got Greg Hardy in camp right now, and I got a couple other guys that I'm in camp that I have a camp. And um, you know, I'm I'm enjoying the role as coach and as a coach, but you know. As as coaching people, I started to get in shape, and once I got in shape, I'm like, you know what? Maybe maybe I can still do this a little bit. That's awesome, man. When you look back on that, you know, you say you kind of didn't really enjoy it. I mean, was it just burnout? Because I do remember that part, man. It just seemed like you weren't. I don't know. You were like you said, you weren't enjoying it anymore. Like you didn't like being there anymore. So, do you think it was just was it burnout with the sport or burnout with the UFC or was it were there things going on outside the sport? When you look back on, it, do you know what it was? You know, it, it was a combination of things. It, it was burnout with the sport, uh, burnout with a lot of things in my personal life. You know, um, you know, having being on that roller coaster, that up and down roller coaster. You know, um, you know, having fought for titles and you know being in the mix of competing for so long and just doing with the the the, the ups and downs of uh, of the fight game. You know, it kind of just wears on you after a while, and and after a while, you just like you lose the gratitude of competing. You know what I'm saying? Fighting just stops, you know, being what it was. You know, when you first get the UFC contract, you just feel so honored to just be able to go out there and fight and, and display, you know, uh, your your, your skill set, your talents in the sport that you love. And towards the end, I was just like, I just couldn't get out of there fast enough. You know, I just really didn't, you know, want to be there. And I really didn't uh, live the life of, of a fighter who really wanted to be in there because a fighter who wants to be in there, a fighter who wants to excel at the next level, they never stop training camp. They're always consistently training. They're always consistently raising their level to the highest. So you, I guess to be clear, I mean, this isn't a decision that you made quickly. I know you were talking about this, uh, I mean, as far back as like September 2019, I think is when the news came out that you had, you know, been released from your contract, parting ways with the UFC. Yeah. Um, what what slowed things down? Was, was it just the pandemic that slowed things down between then and now? Or why is it taking so long to to think about the idea to now get to this point where it's like, no, 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 we're, we're chasing after this? Yeah, it was, a, it was the pandemic that kind of slowed things down. But it was also the fact that, you know, I really wasn't I really wasn't in a hurry to make the decision, you know. And, and that's another reason why it's just kind of took it, taken as long as it has is because, you know, I, I allowed myself to to go through the feelings, to go through the gambit of emotions, you know, wanting to compete, not wanting to compete, understanding what that commitment is really like and understanding, you know, it, it's more than just a verbal commitment. You know, it's it's a it's something that you really have to mentally be engaged in and really want to do on every single aspect and every single level, because, 
you know, it's, it's hard being a professional fighter. It's hard going out there and dedicating your life to, to go out and be the best that you can be on fight night. So um, it was it was one that I, I wanted to take my time and I wanted to be for the right reasons. You know, I feel like right now, you know, everything that has happened around COVID has kind of put some things in perspective and, and really just allowed me to just see life in a different kind of way and just see um, the opportunities, you know, that, that come along with life in a different kind of way. And, you know, I, I would I would love to be able to go out there and, and, and just have another fight, you know, maybe another another two fights and 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 fight from a place where I can be proud of, you know, fight from a place where it's about fun. It's about enjoying the process and not just being there to just pick up a check. Yeah. It, I guess I should ask I me mean, because boxing seems to be all the rage these days right now. Right. I mean, everybody's crossing over. And, uh, you know, I know you're a wrestler growing up, but you got some hands. You've, you may have had a knockout or two along the way. So are we talking? Are we talking an MMA fight or are we talking a boxing match? I mean, we can be talking an MMA fight, but particularly speaking, I'm talking a boxing match right now. You know, I would love to do one of these boxing matches, uh, one of these celebrity boxing matches, uh, you know, particularly with Logan Paul. You know what I'm saying? I know that fight's on the table. And, um, you know, it's just a matter of Logan Paul wants to take it, you know. Uh, but, uh, you know, I put my hat in, in, in the um, – I put my name in the hat. And we'll, we'll see what happens. You know, we'll see if, you know, if, if it's a challenge that he feels up for, because at the end of the day, you know, if he fights me, it's, it's going to be a fight. You know what I'm saying? Uh, all respect to the great Mayweather. But Mayweather was just playing. You know what I'm saying? He was playing around with him. You know, he, he, he's, uh, you know, he, he allowed Jake to look good. You know, um, he allowed Jake to feel comfortable. But but if he, he Jake comes against me, you know, Jake gonna have to do some work. And I'm not sure if he's want. I'm not sure if he's for that. But we'll see. You know, we'll see if. If he accepts his fight, then he's down and he's a lot tougher than I thought. But if he don't, then the, the party goes on. I'll find, uh, find somebody else to dance with. I was going to say, when you look at these guys, Logan Paul, Jake Paul, I mean, we're talking, I mean, you're again, you're a UFC Hall of Famer. When you when you look at these guys, are you thinking, easy paycheck, let's go cash it in? Or do you look at them and say, I'm actually kind of impressed with what they've done? Because it, it does seem like they're taking the boxing seriously, even if the rest of it is kind of some shenanigans and such. I, I feel I feel like you know I'm I'm very surprised and, and I'm very uh, impressed with what they've been able to do, you know, uh, with the numbers alone, being able to get that many people to, to to actually tune into a fight like this, you know, of this capacity, and really just carving out a, their own, you know, demographic and their own, you know, fighting uh, organization, pretty much, and their own fighting organization uh, is um, is for me it's is very impressive, but at the same time, you know, I, I don't I don't I don't think they are at the highest caliber, but they are tough. They are tough. I think uh, Jake may be tougher than Logan, but but at the same time, you know, I still think that Logan has has some intangibles that Jake doesn't have. You know, I think that Jake uh, Logan's Logan's um, a bit stronger. I think Logan's a bit stronger. Has a, has a yeah. I've, I've been uh, you know thinking about a couple of names. A couple of names came to mind. You know, um, you know. We were talking with Roy Jones. Uh, we were talking with uh, Logan Paul as well too. Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen with the, the Roy Jones situation, uh, but the, the Logan Paul is one that you know we're trying to uh, get for um, September 9th, September eighteenth. You know, we're trying to, we're trying to get a fight with with Logan around that time. Um, you know, it all depends though. You know, it all depends on you know if, if this is something that you know he's. He's really wanted to do something that he feels confident about doing, you know, because at the end of the day, 
you know, he's not a real fighter. You know what I'm saying? He's just, he's just, uh, <laughs> he, he, he doesn't have the mentality of a fighter. So, um, for him, it's more like a, you know, like, you know, he, he's fighting for popularity. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's not, it's not the same mindset, you know? So, uh, but I, I would love to fight though. I would love to fight with Logan Paul because I feel like, you know, what a fight with Logan. Logan is, um, you know, he's young. He's tough. He's got he's got some size. I feel like they'll be competitive. You know what I'm saying? You know, I've been fighting a long time, and uh, you know, he's been training. He's been looking pretty good. So I think I think it'll be a pretty good uh, pretty good fight, and I think it'll be something good for the fans to see too. You know, I think it would be great. How soon do you need to know? I mean, do you have a, a deadline of when you have to be committed to this date, or is is this just kind of open ended? It's open ended right now. You know, it's not a um, it's not anything that's set in stone. You know, those are a few dates that were thrown around. Uh, but, you know, I'm sure there, there'll be other times that we can make the matchup happen if, if, if it does end up happening. But, you know, those were the dates that, that I've heard originally. But um, I, I'm down I'm down to fight any of these guys. You know, there, there's a lot of guys on the market on, on the horizon, you know, even outside of the whole Logan Paul situation. You know, this whole, this whole celebrity boxing thing is kind of gruesome legs now. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of opportunity in this arena. You know, you have Vitor Belfort fighting Oscar De La Hoya, so there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, a lot of this going on. There's a lot of potential. So whether it's with Logan Paul, it's going to be with somebody. You know what I'm saying? I would just rather it be with Logan Paul because that would be that would be a fun fight to start off with. I like it. So how long do you think this run lasts? I mean, you said one or two, but if you're boxing celebrities, maybe you could get out there a little longer, right? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, uh, you know, I was thinking one or two, but, you know, um, it, it, it's uh, taking a fight-by-fight basis. You know, at this point in my life, you know, I feel like, you know, John, everything changed. Like, ever since I stopped fighting in the UFC, I went through so much change, transformation, you know. Um, I changed my diet. You know, my mind has changed, you know, uh, just just with a lot of different things I experienced, you know, as you mentioned before, you know, the psychedelic path that I was on, you know what I'm saying? It's all, all these different things that just kind of give um, life a different perspective. And for me, um, I've never been more confident, never been more secure in just wanting to compete and, and enjoy competing as such. You know what I'm saying? Without all of the strings that comes along with competing sometimes. You know, uh, when I first started competing, it was something that I loved to do. I was fantasized about it all the time, but towards the end, I just couldn't get away from it fast enough. You know, I just could not, it just was something that just, I wanted nothing to do with anymore. But, you know, um, since I've been on my journey and since I've been, you know, figuring myself out, figuring out what, what in life that I really want, I started to have a different outlook and started to have a different relationship with just the, the mindset of being one to compete in the first place. Do you think, and I often wondered about this, do you think it was the rivalries with Rampage and the rivalry with John Jones that made it like so unenjoyable for you. Do you think it was the rivalry with Rampage and the rivalry with John Jones that made it so tough for you? I mean, those were intense, like emotional rivalries. I mean, did that did that take a lot out of you? Yeah, those fights did take a lot out of me, man. You know, it was um, it it was it was those fights, man. Those fights took a lot out of me, and um, you know, it was. It was a rebuilding myself afterwards. You know what I'm saying? Like if I'm, not, if I'm totally honest with myself, is uh, you know it was it was a mental it was a mental defeat, and I just really had a hard time of 
just bouncing back on so many different aspects because you can lose physically speaking and then, you know, uh, get your mind right and then turn that around to be able to compete again. But, you know, after I lost to John Jones, it really just took a long time for me just to find um, that will to want to compete again, you know, and um, find that stride that I once had. And then once the knee injury happened, it was, it was another thing in a way, too, that kind of just took my confidence away because being the smaller fighter, um, I had those big legs. Everything was my legs, you know? And, and it, was, I, it, was, it helped me move in and out of danger. It helped me take people down. And it was, it was just my basis of, of, of Sugar Rashad Evans. And once I lost my, lost my legs, I lost my ability to bring the sweetness. You know what I'm saying? I wasn't out there being the better, better mover, being the, more, the most athletic fighter in the octagon. I wasn't being that fighter anymore. And uh, once I stopped being a fighter anymore, I just became an average fighter. Mm. I appreciate your honesty there, man. Well, I got one question that I have to ask. What did your mom yeah. say? What, what did your mom say when you told her you were going to fight again? Surely she had something to say. Wait, 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 Rashad, 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 listen. I, Rashad, I know you're thinking that you want to get out there and box again, but Rashad, sit your ass down somewhere, Rashad. <laughs> <laughs> My mama told me to sit down somewhere, man. She said, Rashad, sit your ass down somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? The last time my mama told me to sit my ass down somewhere, I became UFC world champion. So... Sometimes you can't listen. That's awesome, man. Sometimes Rashad. you can't listen. Sometimes you can't listen, man. <laughs> well, Rashad, man, it's exciting to hear you're back. Uh, obviously, man, we miss seeing you compete, and I look forward to seeing it again. Uh, any last messages, thoughts you want out there for people that may think you're crazy or they wondering what the hell you're doing? Yeah, people going to think I'm crazy, but that's all right. Once I get into the ring, they're going to see, okay, he's got a little method behind his madness, you know. He's kind of crazy, but in a good way. Um, but, yeah, you know, I just I – just, I, I, I want to get this opportunity, man. And, uh, you know, Logan Paul, hey, sign on the line, man. Let's make this happen. Let's see the fans what they want to see. Perfect. Can't say any better than that. Thank you, Rashad. It's good catching up with you, and I uh, look forward to seeing the fight, man. Thank you, John. Take care, man. I appreciate you. Right, there it was, Rashad Evans. Man, hadn't talked to him in a while. It was good to catch up with him. Uh, listen, I'm, I, you know, I'm a little surprised he's chasing after this this uh, celebrity boxing match, if you will, or influencer boxing. But dude, you can't fault these guys for for trying to go and get a paycheck late in their career. And uh, it's good to hear Rashad happy again, man. You know, he touched on it, but dude, you could just feel it at the end of his career, man. I, I he, it, I would say he didn't want to be there, man. But it just, yeah, it seemed like he was. Burned out, like you said, burned out, man. Frustrated, uh, just, uh, you know, the weight of the world on his shoulders, man. And it was sad because he was such a fun guy early in his career. And at the end, it just felt like, ah, I'm here because I have to be, you know what I mean? So to hear that enthusiasm in his voice again and, and to feel that passion, that love back into it, man, it's it's uh, it's awesome. So good to hear from Rashad Evans. Uh, all right, cold coffee. Uh, I guess we got to get going, man. Both of us got stuff to do. I know I still got some packing to do. Uh, I, I, I know you plan ahead, so you might be all all uh, all ready to go. But I, I still have some work to do. I will say, um, 
Cage Fury Fighting Championships this weekend. Like I said, Fury Professional Grappling on Friday night. It's our first one on Friday night. It's going to be me and CM Punk on the call, but we got a little bit different. It's not going to look exactly the same. It's going to feel a little bit different. Um, I, I, you know, we've talked about it on the phone. I've yet to see it in person yet, so uh, I'm flying out tonight, but I'm excited about that. Uh, so tune in Friday for some professional grappling if you want, and then CFSC 98. Dude, we got a great card on, on CFSC 98. Uh, Evan Cuts versus Johan Lioness. Johan Lioness is the guy that had the 14-second flying knee KO. Uh, he's challenging for the title against Evan Cuts, who's a uh, who uh, just had an absolutely grueling win over Basel Javes uh, last time out to get the, the welterweight title. So that's that. Santo Curatolo, who I think will still be in the UFC at some point, former flyweight champ, lost his belt. He's got his first fight back. Solomon Renfro, this dude is amazing, and he says, you know, I want to be the greatest of all time. He wants to box at some point in his career as well. So I'm telling you, some great fights on uh, on Saturday as well. But uh, that, that's what I got going. Are you are you all packed up and good? Am I just, no, am I just slowing you down? Are you just hanging out and having, <laughs> having more JMO for the rest of the afternoon? I am. I, I haven't packed yet, but uh, I, I'm going to actually try to do the, the John Morgan trip this time, and I don't think I'm going to uh, check a bag. I think I'm just going to bring uh, my carry-on that's going to have go. my laptop, and I think I'll bring a small like duffel bag just with stuff, just because I'm only there for you know there a matter you of days. So I think I'm going to try to make it a little bit um, – shorter and quick but you forgot to mention your favorite part about the fury grappling production is that you what is that you're gonna get to wear shorts <laughs> yeah i was gonna say that uh, it is the best part man it's so great rob Haydeck, the president you know he's he's kind of rolling this out to us he's like hey, i got this idea what do you guys think about it and he's like i'm thinking like for the grappling, we have like a different vibe. Like we're not going to sit you at a desk and make it all formal. Uh, we're going to do it a little more casual. We'll make just kind of a you know a seated area, but you guys can ha- kind of hang out a little bit. Uh, he was like, uh, and I don't want you guys wearing suits. He's like, grappling just doesn't feel like a thing where you wear suits. He's like, are you you know just guys come and wear whatever you want. And I was like, oh, I can wear like t-shirt and shorts. Is that cool? He's like, yeah, 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 man. Just uh, just just. Put, I'm like, you're like, sign Whoa. me up. You're I'm there. <laughs> you're gonna pay, you're gonna pay me to talk about combat sports, and I don't even have to put this stupid suit on that I hate putting on. I'm like, yes. He even said, he, I'll even say, he even said, I don't even care if you have like a little rocks glass there beside you. He's like, oh if you want that, shit. I was like, no, I, I said no, 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 no. I still, I still gotta keep this some level of professionalism, man. I, you're I gonna be like sure the Oscar that, that De La Hoya, right, so. just drunk and rambling on the thing. You're just like, <laughs> well, fellas, I don't know what he's doing right there, but it looks stupid. <laughs> We're going to be like Triller, but also totally not like Triller, basically. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to be a little more casual. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. But good on you, man. I I have not checked a bag in like, I don't know, man, 12 years, 13 years, except when I had to go to Fight Island. uh, And why was that? For like five weeks at a time. Why was that? Oh, you wanted more clothes. Oh, you just wanted to bring more clothes because it's so long. (gasps) Yeah. No, uh, n- no, no. Uh, that was part of it. Was the the <laughs> idea of having more clothes, but we also had access to washing machines. So really, you could just keep washing your clothes over and over. But see, the problem is the the 1.75 liter bottles of vodka that I was packing in my in my in my <laughs> bags. Uh, you can't carry those on. Even, uh, even a, yeah. Even when it's a chartered shuttle, they make you they make <laughs> you pack those underneath. So <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, no, I'm I'm stoked. It I'm, keeps I'm, it real. Yeah, I'm stoked to to, to be pack light and quick, man. Uh, so I'm looking forward to, and partially too because of um, for the when I get back on Tuesday, that window to make it over to the rapid testing is going to be very very short. Mm. So I think my my flight lands around five o'clock. The window shuts around six or seven, I think. So so that was another Ooh. reason why I was like, okay, don't pack any, don't 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 uh, don't check Fingers. a bag. 
So fingers crossed. So fingers crossed, no delays. Like you said, yeah. it's a it's a busy one next. But USC two sixty four. Um, look, man, it's a it's a big fight for Conor. I mean, anytime Conor fights, it's a big fight. But it's a big fight. The trilogy. There's so much built up in that. It's a big one for Conor McGregor. We'll talk about all that next week. It's, I think for. I mean, look, the Nate Diaz fight is always going to be there. So I'm not saying like if he loses here, he doesn't fight again. He definitely cashes in one more time with that Nate Diaz fight. But in terms of you know, what's available in the future and, and championships and, and big fights, man. This is a big one for Conor McGregor, so uh, looking forward to that. But, yeah, we'll, we'll cover all that next week. In the meantime, uh, everybody enjoy the weekend. Be safe, obviously, uh, Independence Day weekend, uh, yes. alcohol and fireworks. Uh, enjoy <laughs> Are great. them, but enjoy they go them great all together. responsibly because th <laughs> this – they go great together, but this seems to be a week when dumb stuff happens. So be very, very careful out there. Be safe. Everybody enjoy it. We'll yes. talk to you next week. Thanks for listening.